Just, just one little thing. Don't start him off about penalty taking. <laughs> of Fly Like an Angel, the unofficial Tunbridge Angels fan podcast. Thank you so much for listening in. Um, hopefully tonight we're going to put a smile back on your face after watching the game against Braintree, uh, which wasn't the most enjoyable experience, let, let's admit, and I, I can't imagine it was much fun being there, being the manager's coaching staff or being the players, but never mind. In contrast, Saturday was amazing, wasn't it? We picked up three points against Ebbsfleet away, played some excellent passing football for the goal, um, and I think at times actually we played some very good football going forward and, and had Ebbsfleet scored our goal and had Ebbsfleet played the way we did when we attacked I think they would have been um, saying how wonderful they played uh, rather than calling us a pub team but we're not going to dwell on that too much because I know Steve's already got that out of the way and and and, and done um, and then we we got beat by the Essex pub team and that's what they call themselves don't they um, so, so never mind we'll, we'll talk about that um, we'll also take another trip down memory lane because I've got two excellent guests this evening who I'll uh, who I'll introduce to you now so my first guest this evening, he um, is a massive Tunbridge Angels fan. You'll all see him on match days. It's Mr. Adrian Love. How are you doing, Adrian? You all right? Hi, I'm fine, thank you. Yeah. How are we doing? Yeah, very well, thank you. Well, good. we'll, we'll see. Uh, it depends how much we we'll talked about last night's game. But <laughs> um, <laughs> and, uh, and my second guest this evening, um, I've, we've, we've promised we're not going to talk about it, but there's only one way to describe him, really. The greatest penalty taker in history. <laughs> Club legend, Neil Durling. How are you doing? You all right? I'm very well, thank you, Bobby. Thanks for that generous um, and accurate introduction. <laughs> accurate, I love it. Um, so, first off, before we talk about the last two games, Adrian, um, yourself, let's, how long have you been an Angels fan? If you can remember it, your first Angels game, talk to us about your Angels history. Uh, my first Angels game was a pre-season friendly um, against Tunbridge Wells at the Colford Stadium. Uh, Tunbridge won 3-1. Uh, I was introduced by Tunbridge, to Tunbridge by a chap called Stuart Jenner, who some people listening may well know. Uh, my first official Tunbridge game was the first game at um, the uh, down the road, Longmead, sorry, getting old, uh, Longmead, uh, and that was against Crawley Town. And uh, I can't remember what the score was, but we lost. Um, since then, I've been a Tunbridge fan. Um, I've done stewarding. I served on the supporters committee for three years. Um, I sold programmes. And at, on at least four separate occasions, I've been Father Christmas. But, you know. <laughs> so he's not, he's not real, kids. Father Christmas isn't real. <laughs> what? All alive. No, he is. He is. He's huge. Christmas. <laughs> Yeah, I just shattered a few illusions there, but then I no, he's not real, I can tell you that. <laughs> he is, I can see him on my screen in front of me, yes. <laughs> All right. What are you talking about? <laughs> And uh, brilliant, brilliant. I know you. Um, a lot of people will, will know you and, and would have seen you around the grounds doing all those different jobs over the years. That's really great. Yeah. And, um, yeah. and Neil, what about yourself? Um, my parents moved to Longmead Way um, 45 years ago when I was two, when the building housing estate was first built and so I've always been in spitting distance I can remember being a kid and being woken up as a teenager here in the crowds cheer um, I can't honestly remember my first game we used to um, bunk in at half time when it was free with my mate <laughs> we would do some of the football over the field and then we'd go in at half time and I've been fully involved um, for eight seasons now since I've been back in the area as club chaplain Brilliant. And your, your first um, season as club chaplain, was that when we was in the conference our first time with Tommy? and? Yeah, I, I like to talk to Tommy and OB. I, I generally meet them now at funerals, I'm sad to say, but yeah. I, I often will mention Tommy in the funeral eulogy and say, um, you know, so-and-so was involved in Tommy's last season when he got us relegated. I mean, he can't hit me when he's in a congregation of 100 or 200. <laughs> he always um, but yeah, they, they were there when I first came. So I was interviewed by Chris Drew for the role. And yeah. he said to me, well, what are you going to do? And I said, well, I don't know what I'm going to do. I said, why don't we try it for a season? And if it doesn't work, we don't need to worry about it. And so I came down to training one week and he introduced me to um, Tommy Warlow in the tunnel. He's quite an imposing fellow. And he went, um, hi, this is um, Neil, the new chaplain. And he went, well, what are you going to do? I said, I don't know. Um, and I noticed that in those first training sessions, the swearing really went up. 
Uh, <laughs> it was almost as if they were trying to either educate me um, or, or put me off. And <laughs> it was um, a great time. And they kind of kept a distance for a little bit. And then Simon Ballston, who was one of the coaches down there, who tragically died just um, last year. I did his funeral, which was an honour. I walked that last part of his life with him. But he just came up to me. It was really drizzly with rain. It was cold. It was horrible. I was thinking, what am I doing here? And he just told me his life story about how he'd had a brain tumour and got over it and how Tommy had cared for him. And that was kind of my link in. And then they all said that I looked like um, one of the players down there. So they started calling him Vic and they started calling me by his name. And he just kind of went on from there. But the guys were great. Chris Piper was hilarious. Yeah. He always winded me up. And, uh, and yeah, was <laughs> a good guy as well. Loads of good players in that era. You got any? You must have some good stories from the from the players back then. <laughs> yeah, I I actually texted Steve McKim when you invited me on and said, "Is there anything I can't talk about?" <laughs> <laughs> no, that's fine. Do what you want. So your penalty. You can't talk about your penalty. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, that that game. Yeah. So um, here we go. Let's just let's just get yeah, straight onto it. Talk us through the game and the penalty. Go on. <laughs> so I was asked, would I be involved in this charity game? And I said to the guy that was organising it, yeah, he wanted me to do the um, the raffle at the end because he said, you're quite good at talking. And really? I said, yeah, I said, if you want, I'll play for you. <laughs> said, All right, you can. And I thought, oh, my life. So anyway, I was playing for them and one of our players came over to pick me up and I was just, I was bricking it, thinking, I don't know what to do. I felt sick all afternoon. I thought, you go to bed in the afternoon like a player. So I went and laid in bed for 15 minutes just awake. <laughs> so I got up. Um, and then we got to the ground and we're, I'm sat there with all these players and Tommy Warlow gave out the starting line. He went, right, Neil Derlin, Vic, you're um, centre-back. Well, I've never played centre-back in my life. <laughs> I thought I'd maybe get like 10 minutes at the end of the game. So I played the whole of the first half. I was knackered. Yeah. Um, came off and he said, right, Vic, you're centre-half again. And I'm like, you're kidding. So put me on for the whole of the second half. And I could hear Sonny Miles, who was playing for the other team, because he was at um, that team down the road in Kent. Yeah, yeah. Don't say, don't say. We're yeah. not allowed to use that sort of language on here. No, we aren't. Oh, he had that. He had, he was that, that dodgy moment in his life, absolutely. but he moved on and he <laughs> he went over to the dark side. Yeah. Absolutely. And I could hear him talking to the striker, and the striker said, um, "You can kick me, but don't punch me." And I thought, "What's going on here?" And all of a sudden, um, the striker went in the area with the ball. Um, Sonny laid down, and he tripped over him, and they gave a penalty. And Sonny picked the ball out, I think, gave it to me, and went, "You know, you take it." So I just thought, oh, my life. So I took the penalty. It went in the top left-hand corner. It's perfect. Sonny says it hit the bar and almost went over. I could lamp his massive head each time he says that. Um, and the fact <laughs> that I was just singing the Hallelujah Chorus. And then I went off in about the 86th minute. I could barely walk. And so I, I was trying to go off quite quickly. And OB was saying, no, slow down. Enjoy the moment. They were pulling you. Um, <laughs> I did the raffle, came out to get a shower, and all the hot water had gone. <laughs> um, they were all in there. So I stood there, I had a cold shower, came out of a cold shower, and I underlined it was a cold shower. Sonny walks in, and I've just got a towel, and he goes, well, show me what you look like. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Not a man to back down. I, I removed my towel and stood there in my natural beauty. And he went, okay. And then um, I realised my wife had gone home with the car, so I got no way of getting home, Seven Oaks. So I walked around to my parents' house and said, Dad, can you give me a lift home? It was home. <laughs> beginning of a footballing career that I'd hoped for. <laughs> Brilliant. That's a, that's a great story. And uh, I've, I've learned a lot. But, you, but you know, they were, they were clapping because you were going off. Well, I'm not, I'm going to read another story into that. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> right. Remind me, because I remember the game and for me, before the game, everyone knows and I bang on about him every week. But for me, the excitement was seeing Kinchy back in an angel shirt. But, oh, um, God, yeah. But, but what, um, what was the score? Can you remember? I know I scored a penalty. <laughs> but that's it. <laughs> Tell us all about it. I think, again. I think we won 4-3 because John Heath and Steve McKim were going to play for us. But John Heath um, got an injury as that was one of his talents. And um, Steve McKim had <laughs> a, a football match. So he got out of it as well. Yeah, because I, I remember looking forward to seeing it was it was Steve versus Tommy in the dugout, and because um, as I mentioned last week, that was the that was the game where um, 
uh, it was a year on after my um, conversation with Tommy Warrillo and my dad very kindly highlighted where I was and, and me and Tommy had a chat but no that was um that was that was good fun um cool so um moving on actually before I do that I want to just talk about OB because I, I when I was going through last last week's um editing I heard Sam mention OB but I didn't actually hear him say it when we were talking about it, it was just in the editing afterwards and I didn't give him enough credit of um so little story when I was a kid I, when OB was a player I, I think People, I don't know if you both know him, I'm sure you would, but um, Alex's mum and dad always sat in the main stand. Yeah, and yes. there and yes. um, lovely. lovely people, absolutely. And I didn't really, as I was a kid, they used to, they, they were amazed with, with me being a kid and how much I knew and loved about Tunbridge Angels. And I think they would, they, and so they used to chat to my mum and dad and they used to chat to me. And then obviously when he came, when he was manager, they came back and I didn't know that this guy that was from that I remembered from being a kid was OB's dad I just thought he was a fan or something like that and when they came back I was like I, I recognize that guy but I can't realize why and then I got talking and realized he's OB dad and what a lovely football family and and yeah yeah well lovely so I, I didn't mention that last week but I thought I'd just get in case anyone's yeah. listed in <laughs> you know they're lovely people um so some seven side competition that we used to run um, at my last church and I had a team in it and I said to OB would you come and play uh, yeah, 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 I'll play for you. So I was his manager. So I was just giving him a rollicking and saying this. And so I'm giving you everything I've got, Gaffer. And it was really nice <laughs> that. Case. Then I had Alex Teniola. He couldn't score if it was a barn door. It was a nightmare. <laughs> I was uh, reminded, a bit like the Chelmsford game, wasn't it? Or is that, is that too harsh to say? <laughs> <laughs> oh, <yes. laughs> no. Um, so let's let's go. Let's talk about the the most recent game. So so the first game uh, at the weekend was Ebbsfleet. Um, and before we obviously we all know listen to this what's happened in both these games. But I think if we'd have said that we were going to get three points, we would have definitely put all of our money on the Braintree game <laughs> rather than the Ebbsfleet game. Um, but there, there we go. So so Ebbsfleet um, beforehand once again looking at the team. Um, looking at Ebbsfleet's team and and the the, the full time uh, and they're a full full time side. Um, so Adrian, yourself, um, keeping up to date with the game. What was your opinion on the game? How it went? Um, our performance and yeah, what was your thoughts on Saturday? Saturday. Well, um, firstly, if you'd spoken to me this time last week, I would have said we're probably going to get stuffed because um, obviously they're a full time side. Blah blah blah. They were doing quite well in the league. Um, when I saw the final score come up, I was you know, pleasantly surprised. It took away some of the pain from the score of the other team that I support, um, <laughs> which we won't go into. Um, and um, I must admit, I was pleasantly surprised. I watched the highlights and it looked like Epsfleet did everything but score a goal. And they must have had about, I didn't count them, but they must have had about 150 shots. Um, and their finishing was appalling. We had one or two chances, put one away, won the game described as a pub team so <laughs> yeah and i think apparently yeah and i i, I ironically I, I think we played like a pub team last night but. <laughs> yeah that, that, we'll come to that but um yes. but yeah i um i thought the same actually i think we say about the shots i think watching the game actually they, that was a thing they didn't have any shots they, they had brilliant build-up play but they, they didn't have anyone to put the ball in the back of the net which amazed me um that a full t- a, a club in our league that's got all this money and a full-time at, aspect and, and they, they've clearly listened to the because it was obviously being mentioned on radio ken or you know it was a feature game and listening to all the um interviews and stuff afterwards there was a great one with folksy steve but also from there uh i think he was a chairman because the manager wasn't there and um, it's an australian oh. guy um and listening to what he says about the club and that's how they want to play they are going to play out the back so obviously steve done their research but you just think it's non-league just stick a striker up top and get him to yeah, score because they <laughs> Um, but but Neil, same question to you. What, what was your thoughts? And I, in the change room last night before the game, I'd said to Folksy, um, you know, that goal was incredible against Ed's yeah. build-up play, like the little flick in from him to the winger and the movement from Joe Turner then playing it back in him across, and then the finish from Tommy was superb yeah. as well. If that had been played by Real Madrid or someone like that, they'd be waxing lyrical about it. But when we do, this is my frustration, when we do, it's a fluke or it's, oh, yeah. you know. And I get really irritated when people say that we're not a footballing team, we're just a long ball team. We're not just a long ball team. We play long balls with purpose. We do yeah. play up to the fullbacks and down the line or that cross-field ball. You know, I'm, I'm at training most weeks, at least one of the sessions, and we work on that stuff. 
it, yeah. it's not all just lump it forward. Obviously, there's times when you just kick it forward and give it a bit of Tony Adams, and you sometimes. But I don't think we get the credit we deserve when we play well. And you know that goal, I think, just captured how good our players are. We've got a really strong squad this year, the strongest that I've seen in seasons that I've really been involved. There's no one on the bench who's just warming it and you hope yeah. someone doesn't get injured and they have to come on. Anyone in that squad can do a decent job, apart from Jack Parter. I said to him again last night, I don't know how you can draw a wage from this club. It's an absolute disgrace. <laughs> he was putting sweets into his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. I have to say, um, I was so pleased for uh, Falksy to get man in the match on Saturday. Yeah. Because he seems to be one of those players. He's a great character. He's a lovely character. He's a really nice guy. He's very popular, but he doesn't always seem to get the credit he deserves. Oh, I feel. I couldn't agree with that more. I think we, and we've yeah. talked about him over the last few weeks, how obviously we talked about his history with the club and uh, maybe where his first season where he was a bit iffy and then, and then he's progressed on amazingly. And I, and I love him and I've already spoken about that. But He's I, a great character. Yeah, absolutely. And But I think also to go from, and, and once again, we mentioned this last week, I, I would not put any blame at his door for the no. Dorkin loss uh, because I think he didn't get any help from other people and obviously it was the centre-backs. But um, to go from regardless of who thinks what about him to go from from anyone watching that game would have seen Wheeler cross two balls in and there's a fullback there to go from that to then put in that performance on Saturday was amazing yeah. and I think oh, yeah, I just I'd love him I can't he's he's my new kinch I love him I think he's quite <laughs> easy <laughs> well I like kinchy I mean he, he was a warrior he wasn't just a player he was a warrior yeah yeah um, but I was um I always think oh, obviously uh, last night as soon as I knew that um uh, Tom Derry was playing, I would have gone out and stuck a tenner on him to score a goal, and obviously he did. Because he's like Wheeler the other on Saturday. You know, I hate it when we come up against former players because they always seem to have a point to prove. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we'll we'll move on to that game now then. So, obviously, you know, we were looking... So, it so felt great after Saturday. Um, playing bottom of the table. Um, we'd had a bit of banter with... Um, with Mike Nell last week, so obviously he he started doing a bit of non-league agent um, stuff, and and we we joked about saying if Tom Tom Derry scores or if uh, or if they win, then we're going to blame him. And um, and I Mike, if you're listening, I know you will be listening. I will put all the blame at your door completely. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, no. So but but before the game, um, excited, looking forward to it, and go on, Neil. I'll go to you first. Um, what was your thoughts, really? I think frustrating was Tom Derry only fell over twice last night. And, and when he played for us, a, a leaf would hit him from a tree and he would go down like he'd been shot. Um, you know, it was his trademark. I remember once one of the um, one of our staff members just shouted at him, get up, stop falling over. You know, when your own coaching staff are saying that to you. Um, yeah. In all seriousness, I thought he played really well last yeah. And I thought we had a great first 10, 15 minutes um, and we had a couple of chances. And then I think for some reason we took our foot off the gas They or they grew into the game um, and they just seemed busier than us. I'm not buying into, oh, we had two games in a week because we had that, you know, with the cup game against Bradford and then we had Chelmsford on the Monday. That's even closer. Um, I think there was just bewilderment afterwards as to why... We'd lost standing out with the players as they warmed down afterwards and the gaffer and staff were in the changing room waiting for them. Um, <laughs> and there was just a conversation between the players. And I think they all give 100%. I don't think there's anyone in that team that is in there for the money. Because let's be honest, a lot of them could earn more money at other clubs. They've chosen to come to us because they like the manager. That's one of the consistent things I get from them is Steve tells you it's straight. You know where you stand with him. Um, and I just think once they got that goal in the second half, I think I turned to um, Jack Parter and said, I, I can't see us scoring. Um, mm. And he again was still eating sweets, but he kind of summed up the match for me really. <laughs> no activity on the sidelines. but. Yeah. It's one of the, it would just it'd be great to in these next three home games just get three wins or two wins and a draw just to pull away from that bottom area completely and then begin to look around at okay what could we do this season? 
Yeah, absolutely. I think, and that's, that's the weird thing about this season so far. If you look at the games that we've won, it's almost like we've won the games that you think we wouldn't win and we've lost the games that we would. And I don't know, once again, there's no, from my point of view, there's no doubt of commitment. There's no doubt of ability. Um, it, it's, it's not attitude because obviously I'm, I'm not, I don't speak to the players as much as, as you do. And obviously, Adrian, you're there as well. But I, um, I, I, I can't imagine that, there's no one in that squad that isn't playing, you know, 100% or whatever. And also, forgetting about commitment and everything, if Steve McKim is my boss, I'm doing whatever he says. <laughs> like, well, I'll tell, you, I'll tell you what, Bobby, I mean, being, being a steward, my usual job is standing at the end of the tunnel. And if they play badly in the first half, you can hear the half-time yeah. talk. Yeah, I could imagine. And, <laughs> yeah, and there's one one word which gets repeated quite a lot. <laughs> John Heath I took John Heath to an Arsenal game um, a couple of seasons ago. Went out for dinner beforehand. You put him through that? No, he's a gooner like this. <laughs> he, he said, "You know, I like Steve, but he is an intimidating character." And I thought, really interesting. That there is in our probably all-time legends team a, a player that's got to be knocking at the door for one of the fullback positions who done it all with Tunbridge Angels that he could, probably could have gone higher. And he said, actually, yeah, he was an intimidating um, character, but not a nasty one. Just like you say, Bobby, if he says do it, then you you do it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so, or else. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. think also not having fans there makes a real difference. I know it's a cliche, but... I, I agree. If we'd gone 1-0 down, fans would have either got on their back or got behind them. Um, you know, unfortunately, a lot of the older fans like Nigel Alder won't be able to come back probably because of fear. I mean, he can barely walk now, God bless him. He still drives planes. Uh, <laughs> driving down the runway, then someone else takes over and flies them. But, you know, I do, in all seriousness, if we'd had the fans there, like the Bradford game, the Bradford game was brilliant and bizarre because it was our biggest game and there was no one there. Um, it's really it was. I have to say, the, the the Bradford game that was a very very sort of surreal atmosphere because everything about the, the day was perfect, other than obviously the score. And I never expected us to win, but I was just hoping that we wouldn't get absolutely thrashed. But I yeah. thought seven 0 was probably a little bit harsh, and um, it, it got us a bit of a, a worldwide publicity because I know the the story about Johnny Carrington and his fund, his uh, just giving fund. Um, there was an article on it in the was it the Gazzetta dello Sport, yeah. the Italian newspaper. Yeah, there was. Yeah. And um, yeah, he's just had yeah. a lovely holiday in Italy. Apparently, don't know where he got the money for that. <laughs> yeah, and, um, and and I was talking to my neighbour, and uh, he said he, he didn't see any of the game, but he was on a business call to some people in Norway, and they knew he came from Tunbridge, and they were asking asking him how the game went. Oh wow! <laughs> people, in, people in Norway. <laughs> Brilliant. That's the good thing about the online stuff as well, because I've got a mate in Bermuda and we were talking yesterday on the phone and he said, oh, how are the Angels doing? And I said, and I said, we're doing really well. We won on Saturday. I said, you ought to, um, you know, book in tonight. It'd be a good game. Um, <laughs> <laughs> He's not your friend anymore now, is he? <laughs> yeah, he won't talk to me now. Does he want his £7.50 back? <laughs> 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 but that's that is that's the thing though, isn't it? All of us this closest to the club, like if if you support Arsenal, City, Tottenham, whoever, and you know, everyone knows who they are. But with the Angels, it, it all all of us, I'm sure Adrian, all of your mates outside of football and friends and family, you know, everyone knows that you support Tunbridge and that's your team and they look out for it. But and, and so I'm sure the same for Neil and obviously with your, your job and what you do as well. And it's the same for me living away from the town. Obviously, all my friends have always known I support that small non-league team in Kent. But that game, they, yeah, especially being in lockdown, they all had nothing else to do. So everyone I, everyone I know that likes football was watching that game. Um, my, uh, my mate runs a pub and obviously the pubs were shut. But he was saying that they'd have put it on in the pub in South End just because of just because they would have done it they'd been open just because there was nothing else you know it, it, it is quite amazing because a few years back I um when I had my 50th birthday I got some friends down there we sponsored the game and we went down and, and we sat and watched the game I mean one of my friends is a QPR supporter but you know he's a nice guy other than that and uh, we sitting there watching the game at half time the fans changed in and he really couldn't get his head around yeah, that yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I've, I've seen that yeah Did they do that yeah they, can. Had, yeah, they do I've had friends and folk from the church come down to watch and they can't believe um, the quality of the pitch um, yeah. and the quality of the football. They didn't realise it would be that good. But my PA at the church, um, she bought me some mini Mars bars for the 
um, players for the week before the game. So I took him into training and I said, lads, these are from my PA. And they went, what, what your missus? I said, no, my, my <laughs> said, how old is she? I said, that's irrelevant. And also she knows nothing about football, but she wanted you to have these. And then they're all out training. And I kept going in the change room and getting one and walking out and eating it. Well, it they, the He's like, they're for me. Well, weren't they a bit worried about, weren't they told by their mothers, you know, about taking sweets from strange men? <laughs> well, I know they're from my PA. She's lovely. So all right. <laughs> I think people really bought into the game. And then my, my son played last post beforehand and a lot oh, of I was going to ask that you about that. Yeah. Yeah, it was good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was for me really an emotional moment because I didn't know I was laying the wreath um, beforehand and all my mates were saying, oh, you're going to try and get on TV. You love being the centre of attention. But I think when really? I looks, you don't want to waste it. Do you know what I mean? And <laughs> I think you have. <laughs> no, I'm not doing anything. I'm not doing anything. But my son is playing last post and then 40 minutes before the game, Dave near the street went, oh, just the man we're looking for. Can you lay the wreath? I got it big time for my friends. Like, oh, and yeah. you, went, you went, no, no, not me. No, I can't do that. No. <laughs> 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 my um my 13-year-old god one of my 13 one of my goddaughters my 13-year-old goddaughter was watching it on the telly and uh she doesn't normally watch football because her dad's a Manchester United supporter so obviously yeah. you know, she's got no interest in football and um she took a picture of because a brief shot of me because I was at the tunnel in a brief shot of me and she sent it to me she said look you're on the telly you're famous can I have your, can I have your autograph so I, I I took a copy of the photo uh copied it onto photo quality paper and signed it and sent it to her she was very pleased brilliant <laughs> she doesn't she's obviously being 13 she doesn't get out much so <laughs> cheered her up and she now has an autograph of Father Christmas so uh <laughs> yeah yeah that, that's don't mention that. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, so before we talk about other things, I just want to quickly go back to um, to, to two things from the last couple of games. Um, Neil, I'll ask you first. What I know, obviously, I could get Steve on, and I'm sure he'll come on again, and I could ask him this question himself. But what what do you make of his reaction to being called a pub team? How do you think he would have liked that? And also, Steve's reaction to last night's game. We've already touched on. Um, on the players and what they, you know, why we we don't think they're not giving a hundred percent. But can you imagine being Steve and reacting to those? And what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think um, he was very definite that we're not a pub team. Um, he really puts the work in, so he works as a taxi cab driver. Yeah. But and you can tell when he's in his cab because the phone calls go on forever with you when he's not got anyone. You know, I've <laughs> got a life to get on with here. But he puts a lot of work in. So he watches the other teams. He sends coaching staff or injured or suspended players out to watch those teams we get detailed reports so you know one of the earlier cup round games we had three sides of a4 on the wall in the changing room of these are the players you're playing against these are their strengths these are their weaknesses and so then to be called a pub team that turn up hungover um don't know if you've got 11 players and barry with one legs in goal i think is a bit you know, that would insult me. You know, if someone said to me, we, you kind of cobble your sermons together on the back of a fag packet, I think, no, actually, it's a bit more than that. And I could tell that because he didn't mention it last night at all in the team talk when I was there. It's almost like I've mentioned it on Twitter, but I think that's wrong. And we now move on from it. And sometimes at training, the lads will sort of say, we're just a long ball team to try and goad him. <laughs> and sometimes he'll bite and say, we are not. And they're like, okay, we're not a long ball team, but we will hit it long, gaffer. <laughs> and then they run off. Um, so, you know, they there's that. And I think last night, I always go in the changing room after the game and at half time, whether we've won or lost at the end, because I think I can't just be there for the good times. Um, we were probably in there for about 40 minutes afterwards last night. And I would say he was um, frustrated and angry. Mm. But what I like at the moment is he's engaging the players afterwards. So rather than, um, I guess, some managers might just shout at you, he asks them what they think. Yeah, yeah. How do you think we played? Who here would I can say answer that. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> that one. <laughs> You know, you've got a few that speak up, um, a few yeah. of the um, more vocal and longer serving players, maybe. But there, yeah, he was frustrated last night. because I think because we beat beaten Ebbsfleet. So it's almost like the three points against Ebbsfleet was a, a Brucey bonus. Um, yeah. But 
we didn't get it. So we, as you said earlier, Bobby, we'd have taken three points from these two games. From my point of view, actually my worst season of watching Tunbridge as a fan by pure coincidence was your first season when it was the relegation season. <laughs> um, but, but because as a fan, I saw performances like that over and over again. And, and it got to the point where you, you just thought we were going down because there was, but, but the, the good thing about last night is that we know it's going to be a one-off and that's not, I don't, and I don't want any players to hear that and think they can breeze through the next game, but we know that they're going to turn up and we know that they're going to want to correct last night. And hopefully we can get to a position where we win two games in a row. <laughs> yeah. Might be good. Yeah, yeah. That, that first season where I was chaplain, there were a lot, we had a lot of players that you didn't really feel were bothered about being there. Um, who, was our, who was our captain that season? Oh, uh, Gar- Gary, Gary Elphick. Gary Elphick. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I got on really well with him. He, he made me pray for the whole team before each home game. He just decided we're doing that as a squad. So you'd have Tommy and Obi swearing at them beforehand and then he'd go, OK, now the Vic's going to pray. I'd go, OK, let's gather. It was just bizarre. Weird context for praying. But I remember one game we came in and then played that well. And Gary was on, on the verge of frustrated tears because it was just like, we, we can give more. And then there were other players that just weren't bothered. And I think that showed in when we got relegated, all but John left. Some might have wanted to stay, like Chris Piper, like Mark Lovell, who they say was the one that looked like me. Um, but It's better looking. Yeah. <laughs> I always call him Vicky. He always calls me Loves. And, um, you know, when I turned out that first game of that first Steve McKim season, John Heath was the only player there. And he kind of looked at me and went, this is weird. Yeah. Okay, okay. It was weird as a fan though, wasn't it? Because it was like, yeah. we were, we were su- supporting the club and all our mates were there and the blue shirt. But that, that other than John Heath, there was, nothing else was the same. It was really odd, wasn't it? And We had that goal machine, Tommy Whitnell, who's got a hat trick, and we said, well, here we go. Here we go, yeah. We've got 25 a season player here. <laughs> but, but the thing, this is, I mean, this is where I'll always... Um, appreciate Steve McKim because that was his first management job. He was an assistant manager at Sutton United, and he came to Tunbridge. And in, in six weeks, he had to get he had literally no team, and he had to get a team together in six weeks. And he did it, and we managed to avoid getting relegated. Well, yeah. he signed himself but, on as a player, didn't he? In case we didn't, yes, yeah, we did. Yeah, the amount, yeah, that we had. He did play one game, and he wasn't on Facebook at that stage. And there was a face looking good um, gaffer. And he went, oh, can you send me a copy of the photo? So, you know, <laughs> how good he looked in an angel shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. I, 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 I forgot about that. I remembered him being on the bench a few times, but I forgot that he actually he came on, didn't he? So, uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. When, his name, when his name's on the list for the bench, the, the grinning from the other players in the changing room. <laughs> it's really funny. I remember um, sort of going going back into the dim and distant past when um, there used to be a, um, really short of players. And I remember one game we played away at Basingstoke and Cliff Gower, who was the physio, he was named as a substitute uh, and he had to come on with a strapped up knee. And Tony Burns had to come on as a substitute. He was named as a substitute because he's so, so short of players. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Tony Burns ended up scoring the equaliser in a five-all draw away at Basingstoke. <laughs> And that's, that's, that's what, and that's not that's non-league football for you. It is, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I remember James Stuart Copeland once, and I said to him, "How high did you play as a keeper?" <laughs> he said, I played, you know, Ryman Ryman Premier League. I went, "Really? When was that?" He went, "The Tunbridge last season." I went, "Oh yeah, yeah, I remember." <laughs> we we tried to just blank that one out of memory, hadn't we? Because oh, <laughs> yeah. at half time there, Anthony DiBadino was injured. And Steve was like, you know, it's fine. We've got, you know, Stu, we've got him as a coach, but we knew he's a good keeper, so you're in safe hands. And he comes tearing out like a samurai. <laughs> that ball. And we thought, oh, my God. <laughs> to be honest, Neil, we would have been better off putting you in goal. I know. <laughs> yeah. Whilst, whilst we're talking about this then, um, Neil, have you got any moments that stand out since your time back at the club and any favourite moments or even if you want to name names, any any favourite players or special times that you've had? Yeah, I think one of my favourite games was when we built, um, when we beat Billericay at home. I think it was 2-1. 
yeah. what a game that was. Because that, that was on my birthday. Yeah, so oh, well. I had a bit of tension at home because I was like, to my wife, so it's my birthday, can I do, you know, whatever I, I want? She was like, yeah, yeah. And I've got four kids, all young. Yeah. I went, she said, what would you like to do? I said, I'd really like to go to the Angels game. And it was, you know, we weren't going to win the league or anything on it. It was a, a nothing game at one level. And it was just great to be in there. And I took in birthday cakes, as you have to. And I got these really small pink fairy cakes that you could put in your mouth in one go. And Steve went ballistic. Like, he stopped all the players, like, look at what he brought in. He's like, where are the other cakes? Where... <laughs> Where's, and I went, no, I said, Steve, this is part of your training regime. Some of it <laughs> bigger around the middle. And so I'm just trying to cut it back. And then for those goals to go in, the brilliant one from Joe Turner and Nathan Elder in his pump. I mean, he was a player. Um, he was one of my favourites. I always called him Little Fella. Um, <laughs> I wonder why. <laughs> and he looked at me once and he went, why do you call me Little Fella? And I went, because you always grin. I said, the day you stop grinning... I'll, I'll run away but I <laughs> um, back in those days be able to play and I would always quite often be on his team and I'd say I'll go up front I'll help the little fella out um, in the five-a-side matches and whenever I scored which was very rarely or if I even got it near I would jump on his back <laughs> <laughs> go mad so I really I really liked him I really like Arthur Lee at the moment mm. I think, um, when, yeah. when my dad died last Easter and the day my dad died, all the players texted me. Um, Steve had let them know, apart from um, Arthur Lee and Johnny Henley didn't, because they just said, I want to give you a hug at the game. And so Arthur, yeah, he's just a good guy. Sonny Miles, I can't speak highly enough of as um, a player and just a person, really. He's just a decent... I mean, he doesn't stop moaning at refs. <laughs> I remember this season in the friendly, he said to the ref, yeah, you keep refing like that, you'll be in the Ryman South alongside me next season. <laughs> a bit tongue-in-cheek. Uh, Chris Piper was the most skillful player I've seen yeah. down there. We, we were chatting a while back in lockdown and he said to me, I, I wonder if I left a bit early, if I'd still got a bit more I could do. But... Um, Ob said to me, he used to go away in pre-season, just eat loads, get really fat, and be like, I don't know if I'm signing, I don't know if I'm signing. They'd be like, can't we need you? And then he'd sign again, and he'd just lose the weight. Yeah. He just sent horrendous photos of him on WhatsApp, overweight, with a beard, <laughs> and massive ginger hair. He just randomly would send it to me as if it would please me. <laughs> Don Heath. Um, for me, he was a teacher at my son's school. I said to my son, you can't just go to that school because John Heath's there. And I remember he, the yummy mummies all really loved him. And when they found out that I knew him, they said, where'd you know him from? I said, I'm the chaplain at Tunbridge Angels. Um, I, I spent a lot of time with John. And they said, oh, what do you do? I said, well, this last season he's been injured. So he's just been sat on the physio's bench in his underpants being massacred. <laughs> and they went, oh, God. <laughs> But they love that, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. And um, and Adrian, what about yourself over the, over the years? Any any moments or or players that stick out? Uh, well, Gary Aldous was one of my first favourites um, back in the dim and distant past. <laughs> um, also, um, I don't know if anyone will remember a, a guy called uh, Phil Stonebridge, and he played for us a long time ago. Then he went to Gravesend or Websley or whatever the hell it was called in those days. And he went around and he came back and uh, he came down for a team photo once. Um, he was injured. So he came down for this team photo and our goalkeeper, who was Paul Burnham or somebody like that, hadn't turned up. So we ended up playing in goal in the game and we beat Salisbury 3-1. Uh, so that was that. Um, one of the, um, it's not terribly amusing, um, as a steward, I had to stand, I was called into the referee's room after one game to stand in between uh, an opposing goalkeeper and the referee. Bearing in mind this was a friendly um, because the, the, the goalkeeper wasn't terribly happy with the way the referee had refereed the game. So that was another one. I mean, there's various things over the years. Again, um, beating Basingstoke, uh, drawing five or with Basingstoke away from home when Tony Burns, the manager, named himself as a sub, came on and scored the equaliser in the last minute. Yeah. I, I, also, I really liked Lawrence Ball as well. I mean, rubbish footballer, absolutely. Yes. Yeah, oh, yeah, uh, 
but his humour was just brilliant and he, he was so good and I, I I've got I message all the players regularly when a new one comes I say can I have your number and they will say don't give it to him he'll be texting you late at night and all this but I've got a little WhatsApp group with um Jack Parter and um Joe Turner called Angels Left Side um so we've been debating now do we need to change it to Angels Right Side but after every game last season I would take a photo of my feet to give them a mark out of 10 for the number of toes so every week they'd get a picture and, and the season before that it was the, um, up to 10 books from my bookshelf so they would after every game and often I'd say you've got a seven for this that's for you Joe Turner parts yeah. you published, really you've got a zero so lots of good players there's there's none there's never been one down there in the time I've been there that I thought I really don't like you as a person yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely say so, Lawrence Ball had a great humor I remember at the um the semi-final we lost the playoff semi-final against um East Thurrock when we were when we were losing um and he was warming up um or, or he was yeah he must have been warming up because he ran past and I said I um I'd spoken to him a few times, but I was I was I can't I can't remember the rest of our team. I remember Sonny was sent it back, but I was surprised that he wasn't playing. Um and I, I asked him, I went, how, how come how come he didn't start? And he went, Oh, he's rested me for the next few games. <laughs> 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 Which made me laugh. Uh, but I thought what a great guy. We see it with a massive smile on his face. He had the best smile, didn't he? And he just what what a guy. I thought he was I thought he was a good footballer as well, yeah. But um no, we've had some good times. Um, talking of good footballers, um, we're recording this today, and some very sad news um, is that the, the, you either love him or hate him or love to hate him, as Diego Maradona has passed away today. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, um, I'm, unfortunately, I'm not old enough to ever have witnessed him playing football. I've seen the, the many a highlight. Um, I did happen to be at a Spurs game um did I mention Adrian that I support Spurs? Anyway, sorry, moving on. No, I did, yeah, I did yeah, happen thanks. to be at a Spurs game once. Yeah, I don't want to be on this anymore. <laughs> <laughs> um, where he was there. I don't know why he was there, but I remember uh, half time he got presented with something by Ozzy Ardiles um, and, and all the Spurs, Harry Kane and all the Spurs um, players all sort of tweeted and Instagrammed about how amazing it was. And that was, that was cool because for, for my age to, to just see him, I say in the flesh, I was sat at the top of Wembley stadium. So it wasn't, it was, it was a little ant, but yeah, to, yeah, yeah. To say, I'm sure he remembers seeing me too. Um, but um, Adrian, I know obviously you, you mentioned about this and. Yeah, I, I actually, I actually saw him play. Um, it was in a, a friendly at Wembley back in the dim and distant past. And it was to celebrate the anniversary of the football association. And it was a football association team, which is basically obviously players from, we played in this country, against the rest of the world. Uh, Gary Lineker was playing for Barcelona, yeah. uh, played for Barcelona, and he was in the rest of the world team. Uh, <clears throat> and uh, Maradona was there as well. He was playing. Uh, and as they, they were all warming up on the pitch, um, a little kick about before they went and got changed to come out, and um, as, he, as they all started to sort of drift in towards the, the dressing rooms, um, people started booing him because obviously it's Maradona and they remember 86 and what cheating little Santo was, uh, but I'm not bitter. Uh, <laughs> so he, as he walked off, they all started and this booing got louder and louder. He's heading towards the tunnel and he got just in front of the goal at the tunnel end, uh, flicked the ball up and just punched it in the back of the net and of course everybody booed him even more. But he laughed, so... <laughs> Yeah, that's true. It's, uh, yeah, it's interesting, is it? Because you one because he had such a troubled life. Yeah. Know, what would he have done if he didn't have a troubled life? Yeah. But sometimes you don't know. Maybe he wouldn't have been as good. And I'm not condoning cocaine or alcoholism or any of that. But there was something about him. He was fantastic. Which I remember that game against England and the anger that you felt when you realised it was. Handball because it took a while to realise because you didn't have all the angles in those days. Yeah. yeah. And you said I still I still can't watch that goal. I can't look at that goal. It just makes me but the, just makes me angry. The second one always puts a lump in my throat because I think it is it is that's why we watch football for moments like that. I remember being at an Arsenal game against Leicester a couple of seasons ago with my wife and two oldest kids, and. Ozil, who hasn't played for about 40 years, <laughs> this thing where he flicked the ball into someone else's line when you thought he was going to shoot and they scored. And I thought that's what we pay money for, those moments of brilliance. That, you know, that Ebbs Fleet goal, you know, everyone would have said, I'm glad I paid 9 to watch that game yeah. for that 10-second 
bit of movement. Um, yeah. And Maradona had those moments. In- but then I, I think a better goal than Maradona's, and obviously I'm slightly biased, was um, John Barnes against Brazil in the yeah, Maradona stadium. Wasn't it? So they don't really count. Do. Oh, no, they do. Here's a crime was a friendly <laughs> penalty. Was- yeah, okay, fair enough. <laughs> whilst you're on this subject, what do you both think about this? Because obviously I've grown up watching football just for the last 20 years and the first five, 10 years I was a kid. But my, I, I always think, so obviously, so, so, so seeing players like Maradona, George Best, um, we could go on, um, that were great back in the day and are known, a Pele and known as the world's best. But I, I've always wondered this. I don't know what you think from, from seeing more of these games, but... I've always wondered if you put them in today's game, where today's game, you know, like like Bobby Moore, um, you know, obviously you're famous for having a pint and playing drunk or whatever, um, but still being the great defender that he was. But I always wonder if you put them in today's game with the athletes and the training and watching the all or nothing documentaries, City and Tottenham, you know, watching Sun Until I Die, that the the regime that the, the full time players have, I wonder if they would be names or or if it is because they were like that, it sort of enhanced how amazing they were because they could have that lifestyle but yet still kick a ball about. I, I wonder if, you know, with the uh, with the players then, I mean, if they, if they had the benefit of all the training of that now, I mean, obviously you've got to have a certain amount of talent to be what's yeah. in the first place. I think if they um, were to play, have all the advantages of the training and diet and all that sort of thing, I think some of them would survive. I'm not, survive, not sure about people like, um, who am I trying to think of? Uh, Billy Bremner, people like that. Um, uh, the guy who played for Chelsea. They used to have a lot of uh, really hard players, a lot of players. Uh, Eminent Hughes, Tommy Smith, yeah. those sort of players. So they were just brutal. Yeah. Um, but I think a lot of players from from those days, given all the advantages that they got now, I think they some of them would succeed, some of them wouldn't, but they yeah, were. That's an interesting I think, being mm. a, a chaplain, we have national conferences for sports chaplains in the UK, which I'm a part of, and when I get where I get my training, and we have top flight managers and players come in, and psychologists from clubs, and all this kind of stuff. And they say the main um, addiction and challenge nowadays is gambling. Yeah. So one Premier really? club that I won't name, they said to their chaplain, "Can you get hold of someone because there's a gambling problem in our club?" And he said, "Okay, what first team was those?" He went, "No, the under 15s yeah. Oh my God! They get in this money and they've got a phone. Are you over eighteen? Yes, and they can just do it. So I, and also now you know you fart in the Premier League in a nightclub and it's on every yeah. website available. Yeah, we we didn't know about the Tuesday Drinking Club at Arsenal until it all came out in their biographies. You know, we weren't aware of them going on those one, two, three day benders in Tony Adams' case. Yeah, yeah. Nowadays, you know, you cannot get rid of it and I think some of them like Rashford have kind of taken on that mantle and Sterling of actually I can shape the culture of young people's minds yeah. I can be a good and I think Arsene Wenger you know he he made those older players their careers longer by putting these positive things yeah. in and I think other players now would look at that you know I was talking to Sonny Miles the other day about will you be the longest serving player and it's like well, I'm 30. I'm like, well, you, you look a lot older than 30. <laughs> you know, it feels like he's been around here for ages, dude. Longer than <laughs> we've tried to flush him, uh, but he's you know, he could play till he's 37, 38 if he keeps fit, yeah, and keep and keeps his mouth shut, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I, no, I, I agree with that. It's uh, it's an interesting one. I just sort of wonder what your opinions were. Mm. But we like those flair players, don't we? Who's the English player we liked in this last few pointless games was Jack Grealish. You know, soft yeah. down, bit of a swagger, taking a chance. We need those players. You know, Gaza was the one for me. Yeah. Those teenage years for me who carried that team with lots of other talented players around him. It's the passion that comes with it, though, as well, isn't it? Like in Gaza's yeah, case yeah. and that. That's what you... Yeah, it's, that's, and that's why... Um, yeah, you've got you've got your players like Kane and stuff that clearly live and breathe football. And and don't get me wrong, if I don't know if you two might not share this opinion, but you know if if Kane's there, scores the goal to get England to lift the World Cup. Um, I don't know as an Arsenal fan how you'd feel about that, Neil. But it'd be um, an interesting one. But but like your players like Grealish and stuff, you just 
I just, I, I just, as a, as a person, I think, come on, just, just sort that out and stop, you know, about. stop open, stop opening yourself up for the newspapers to yeah. have a field yeah. day. But as a footballer, I think, come on, just do it and just let your talent talk. Um, yeah, I, I, I have quite a low opinion of sports media. I don't really read any newspapers because yeah. I think the rubbish they come out with. I mean, speaking as a City fan, I mean, uh, poor old uh, uh, Raheem Sterling got a hell of a lot of stick in the press for whatever things. He, he had a tattoo of a gun on his leg and they were going on about it. And they were, and it took a hell of a lot of abuse. Yeah. And I feel sorry for them that but so in general i think the, the, the sports media have really got a lot to answer well the for. great the great summary on that is is i'll just mention quickly is, is rashford um rashford and gary neville to compare the two gary neville was always being praised for setting up a property empire um yeah under fergie and sneaking into the changing rooms and taking calls and now he's left football he's although he might because he was in the age of football where he's a millionaire from footballer from football sorry he's he's praised for making millions from property and all that yeah, rashford, yeah. Then, he's on the front page or back page or whatever it was the daily mail last week for for having uh, two million pound worth of properties when he's campaigning yeah. and it's like well who cares what he does of his money he's a he's a footballer he's his age let him invest in yeah, property. Exactly. it doesn't matter Just, i agree but, but why why say that gary neville is is excellent for doing that yet it's moan at rashford just because of they want to try and find something because he's yeah done i mean I, I i fully support marcus rashford even yeah. though he plays for that team that play at the temple of doom so <laughs> i remember i think it was tom fit told me i might be cross-wiring my memories here that he played in the youth arsenal team with harry kane and I think when they were only under 15s, he said they said to Harry Kane, you've got one more term. If you don't buck up, then you're out. Yeah. And for Harry Kane, it was that moment. And then he did, and he he turned it around. So many players down at Tommy James's, you know, you get to them and say, who did you play for? I was in, you know, Chelsea under-21s or Charlton, West Ham, whatever. And a lot of them, it's just one little thing that went wrong. Yeah. You know, one of our ex-players, he, he, he got in the first team as a 19-year-old, I won't mention his name, of a top club. And then he got injured. And when he came back, they put him out on loan to get some match fitness for a couple of months. And he, he said to me, my attitude stank. And yeah. so they told my home mother club, you know, about this. And he said, I never got in the first team again. He said, if I'd have had someone alongside me to say, come on, put your head down, work hard. He said to me, I might not have been playing at Longmead. <laughs> <laughs> So before we uh, before we finish up, um, obviously we've touched on it earlier on in, in introductions and that, but um, within this podcast we talk about community football a lot. Um, but what's uh, both of you do great things to the club? Obviously, Adrian, you're as a steward every week, and, and Neil, you're the club chaplain, and, and you help obviously a lot of players and everyone involved with the club as well, fans. What what do you both? What's both of your opinions? I'll start off with um, Adrian first of the club as a community club, and if you could sort of summarise the club and if you had to pitch the club to another fan, what would you say about our club? Um, well, I would say, first of all, it's a family club. You can get families involved. There's lots of things that they do. Um, you know, come down and watch the football, get everybody involved. Um, it's just a nice, friendly place to be. Yeah. yeah. And you can see good football. Well, hopefully, you can see some <laughs> good, good football. Every other game. Uh, I mean, obviously, you, obviously you, you can avoid, avoid Neil, but... Um, <laughs> Uh, you know, it's just a good, friendly family club. I know some people uh, have come there, for, and you, you talk to people. And I've, I spoke to. Um, this is where I got involved with uh, Clint Fairman. I spoke to him, and he was so impressed with you know what I was telling him about the club that you know he came back again. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's it's the inter interpersonal skills or the interpersonal connection with people who come to the club, and everybody knows everybody and you know, sometimes win or lose, you know, at least you've had a good evening now. Yeah. Yeah. Does that make any sense? <laughs> no, no, it's sort of. Yeah, and um, I'm rambling a bit towards the no, end. No, there, no, but... not at all. It's all perfect. Um, and... We've been rambling the whole. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. Yeah. No, trust me. <laughs> After listening to this, no one's going to say you were the one rambling. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> if I go now. <laughs> and um, and and Neil, what about yourself? Yeah, I mean, the, the, the club is within spitting distance of the church where I'm a minister and we work together. And, and I love that, um, that, you know, I get given kit and old football boots that then as a church, we take into Longmead um, infant and primary school to give out to kids that haven't got that kind of stuff. Um, we take stuff to Africa. 
Um, I was just said, I was asked once, you know, when you're taken to Africa, it's not a country that's at war, is it? Because we don't want Tunbridge Angels seen on the BBC News. <laughs> um, but also, you know, I've done so many funerals, sadly, but for people from the club, and they see this as their church. When we were in the pandemic, we couldn't do our children's and youth clubs. On a Friday night, we get 180 kids come through our building to the various youth clubs. And the club said, use the marquee in the fields. So it meant that our those children that needed that exercise and that meeting with friends were able to do it because of Tunbridge Angels. They said, can we give food to your food bank? Can we have buckets and bins down at the club so we can do it? We've got people like Nigel Alder who come in and help do that. We give out over 100 bags of food um, a week at the moment in this pandemic. We're giving out 370 Christmas hampers to people in the local community that it will make their Christmas better. Some of those have come from Tunbridge Angels fans. So I feel there's a real connection, not just with the church in yeah. so many ways. Weight Watchers is down there through the week um, that get to use those facilities. Um, the runners meet down there in the evenings outside where there's the lights so they can get off on their, their runs. And as you know, as Adrian said, it is a family, it's a family club. And I love that. You know, I like going to watch Arsenal, don't get me wrong. But you don't get to know people. Yeah, yeah. Well, down there you get to and of course there's the, the new um ups and downs which is being built down there. That's gonna be even better because it's gonna draw people in. I know um my wife and I, we walk dogs, we do dog walking and things like that down at Longmead. And of course, there are a lot of people around there and that will be a bonus as well. That will get them, I suppose, introduced to the club. Plus the other thing, which I always say, and this is, it might sound a bit bizarre, but you can never underestimate the value of the car parking down there. Yeah, yeah, no, it's true. <laughs> yeah, how many, how many other clubs, even at our level or higher, have got that, that amount of car parking? No one has. It well. sounds like a minor thing, but you know, it's, it's a lot important. Of, a lot of drug deals are done down there in the week. <laughs> yes. See them by the bins in their cars. Yeah, but he, yeah, well, he kicks them all about right, fine, doesn't he? So let him in the team. Kicks them off the streets. <laughs> <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. Well, um, we'll finish this up here then. So thank you so and, and I think Neil might want to mention the penalty again. <laughs> Just one more time. Oh, tell tell oh, us all about it again. Well, it's time for my tea. <laughs> and you've got your own back on Nigel Order. Want to get your own back on Martin at all? Because <laughs> he was. What did, Mar what did Martin say about me? I think he joined in with Nigel, didn't he? I think that was... <laughs> I thought he was more of kind of the wimpy kid at school in the background going, yeah, go on, hit him. Hit him. He was get involved in the fight. So if I met him down an alleyway, he would have got really scared. So he's nothing. He's, I'm not worried about him. Well, I'll tell you what, though. I wanted though, to nail Nigel. Neil. That's what I wanted to do. I'll tell you what, though. I, I bet Neil, uh, Nigel Alder, I bet he's never taken a penalty at Longmead. No, no, probably not, no. <laughs> he is one of the grumpiest fans, though, down there. I mean, that I poor a, son of a who stands next to him and his dad just mutters, mutters, mutters. <laughs> and that's why we all love it. Yeah, <laughs> that's can, why we love it. I can relate to that if you're listening, Billy, my uh, my dad. Uh, uh, sounds, <laughs> sounds, <laughs> no, he would say it's me. I've definitely been the grumpier one over the years, but I've learned to uh, be happier over the last few years of the Angels. Yeah. No, I can't, I promise. There's a very new me over the last two years and I've looked at everything from a positive. I can't promise, had I been there last night, <laughs> that I'd have, uh, I'd have stayed the same way, but I'd like to think I would have, but never mind. Yeah. So um, we move on. We've got Hemel at the weekend, so we'll look forward to that. And um, before we finish, sorry, I'll just quickly say this. Predictions, go on. Uh, what do you reckon for the weekend, Neil? I think we're going to win 2-1. 2-1, brilliant. Adrian? 3-1. Uh, 3-1, perfect. Yeah, and I'm, yeah. I'm going to go... I didn't over... say whether we're going to win or not, but... <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, God. I presume you went to Umbridge. I mean... <laughs> oh, oh, well, we, we lost last night, so we got a win on Saturday. Yeah, I agree. I, I can't see... 3-1. I, I can't see us um, not having a bounce back. Uh, I, I think 2-0, yeah. maybe. I don't know, but... Um, Either way, yeah, I, I don't think I don't think the players would dare lose on Saturday. No, and I think if we do, I, I'd like to put I like to think if we do lose, it's going to be like a last minute accidental or or, or a yeah. mistake, and I mean that in the way that um, it will look like we'll win, like we'll play like a nice game. I think we're going to give yeah. give it all. So yeah, brilliant. All right, thank you very much for this evening. Thank you. Thank you for the.
But that was episode five of Fly Like an Angel, the unofficial Tunbridge Angels fan podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Hope it's put a smile back on your face after last night. Um, but we look forward to Saturday's game against Hemel. Got game at home again on Tuesday night. So uh, they're coming thick and fast. We'll have another podcast next week and we can go over the next two games if you want to be on that let me know on the socials uh, thank you for listening as well to everything so far we've had over 100 views uh, listens sorry for each one so that's been amazing um, and all that's left to say is come on you angels we know you can do it on Saturday let's let's put Tuesday night behind we're all behind you come on you angels <laughs>